Well, well, welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and I am a worm, not a man. <laughs> Today we are talking about lament. Barry's here to show us how to properly complain to God. How dare you? But before we run towards God in the midst of our suffering, now that they've surrounded me like a herd of bulls from Bashan, let's welcome in our favorite frenemies, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. Good day, Tyler. Is it Bashan or Bashan? I mean, who knows? I like Bashan. Bashan. I like Bashan. It sounds like my cousin. My cousin cousin Bashan? Bashan. (laughs) You have a cousin, Bashan? Bashan. Bashan. I don't Uh, know. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, I mean, I don't speak ancient Hebrew. So yes, you do. <laughs> that was Aramaic, dude. Wait, you what, nailed yeah, it. What'd you say? How long do you have to practice that? I didn't. I looked it up. I looked up the Greek because Greek. I know how accents work in Greek. So Can we I, tell our listener what we're talking about first? How, how about you just say the it? The quote of from Matthew. Yeah. 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 It yeah was, what was uh, it? Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani. But the way you just Ta-da! said sabachthani, like you, you knew that. Oh yeah. wait, no, it's sabachthani. That's how I said it. <laughs> That's how. <Ta-da>! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's where the accent is on the Greek, so I was just trying to pronounce it. But again, ancient dead language, but that yeah. also wasn't Greek. It's Aramaic. Bro, it, listen, it was spot on. It's all Greek And to me. you delivered it effortlessly. I'm like, that just rolled off his tongue. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. It's yeah. from all my travels speaking other languages in other countries and uh, trying to learn how to pronounce things in a non-American way. Are you that guy that knows like a couple of sentences in, in like every, every sentence, language? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every, every sentence, every language, yes. The yes. best part for me... Is that as I was watching you do that, yeah. I knew that you were doing that to no one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's he he true. had to speak to an empty room. for the. So on Saturday oh. night, on Saturday night. A little peek behind the curtain. Stop. The five o'clock service, there was some, I'm just preaching and all of a sudden all the screens just turn off and then they turn back on. But apparently it was like split in half where my head was at the bottom of the screen and my my like waist was at the top of the screen and it like slowly changed. It was like, everything was all screwed oh up and then it turned goodness. off again and then it came back up. And it so, seems like, I mean, it incredible. seems like it, this only happens when you're speaking. I've got so many technical issues yeah. all the time. I don't know. I've never but, seen your dad change a mic. <laughs> yeah. Like I've never seen the guy run up there with a handheld to yeah. give it to your dad, but you I've seen about seven times. Well, here's what it's done. A version of it this. It has made it. I've, I've genuinely gotten so much better at just keeping my mind on the task at hand. Yes. Yeah. And I, the whole time the screens are going off, I'm thinking, okay, if this like continues, if the recording works, but the screens are just messed up. I'm just going to keep going because I yeah. know this is going to end up going to yeah. the campuses mm-hmm. in the morning. Well, no, the recording also went out. <laughs> Everything went out. So, so is that more distracting or like losing your place? Uh, losing my place. That that doesn't happen often. But Did yeah. that happen at the 11? Because I Maybe watched, one of them. I it happened watched at the whatever they put on, on YouTube. That's 11. Okay. Yeah, I did lose my place, which is, I don't do that very often, but I was like, <laughs> oh, uh, anyway. But yeah, so so after the five o'clock service, while everyone is out having hot dogs and getting ready for the fireworks, I had to go redo my sermon to an empty room. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. So did it look, did it look like I was oh, speaking yeah, to I an empty it. room? No, no, not at all. Oh. Uh, I just knew it because I was working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I knew that's what was happening, but you couldn't tell. <laughs> well, good. Because you kept like, you kept looking like you were making eye contact with people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know what? Which is kind of creepy, but. Well. <laughs> You just fill the room with people in your imagination, and guess what? They're all paying such good yeah. attention. Yeah. Best audience They're, ever. Yeah. <laughs> Every seat was filled. Yeah. It was incredible. <laughs> oh, guys, what is going on? What's new? 
Seems like a lot. Yeah? Yeah. Well, you were out of town. I was out of town. That's why it seems like a lot. I I, I missed the you fireworks were night. I was... <laughs> I don't know if you can call it that. Gird your loins. We're not uh, honky-tonk girls that I was with. What happened? We went to Nashville. Myself, um, my friend from this campus, it was her birthday weekend. Mm -hmm. And uh, like a couple months ago, she's like, would you do this for me? I've always wanted to go to Nashville. It was just you two? Me, her, and then her childhood best friend that I'd never met before. Wow. Sounds like the beginning of like a like a sitcom or something. <laughs> Did you guys go to that big mural with the wings? Wow, how do you even know about that? What? Everybody in the world knows about this. I did this. not know about this. Did you wait in line? No. Goodness, no. <laughs> so, for, if you don't know. It's like the most Instagrammable now, moment yeah. ever of if, Nashville. If you haven't heard by now, there's a wall. Yeah. A brick wall. We walked right by it. And it's got giant angel wings on it, right? Mm-hmm. And... Every female I have ever known to go to Nashville waits in line. Yeah, would wait in line to do that to go get their picture taken. Yeah, like we, they're we, angels. We did not do that. No, okay. we did walk past that and but say, "Geez, what are every, what's everyone waiting in line for?" Oh, there was a line. <laughs> oh my goodness, okay. wrapped around the building. Yeah, see. To take a picture with a mural, <laughs> See, which yeah. raised a bunch of like philosophical questions. So then we went to Biscuit Love to talk about it and yeah. sat there, ate biscuits, and talked about the state of society. But I think that says more for that artist than anything. Do it for the gram. There are murals all over the world. And this one's got a people line. people don't wait in line Here's for. Here's what I would do. So this dude right. knows what he's doing. I he knows. I would paint a very similar mural like across the street or around the corner and charge like five <laughs> bucks. wings. Yeah. Butter, but it says it's like five bucks. No waiting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, I, I thought that the artist was brilliant. He knows that, or he or she, whoever painted it, knows that if you can insert yourself into the art, it's, yeah. it's going to be, be more popular. It's like, the, it's like the indie statues. The what? Oh, right. <laughs> the the indie indie they, you yeah. are the eye. Yeah, right. you are the eye. We there will, is woo. no eye and No, that's not. We'll that's probably not right. see more and more art that comes out like yeah. that, where it's kind of interactive, I guess. But I guess. Yeah. Well, we're so, starting to do that here at 146. We're, we're trying to have like... Every, like every holiday, there's like Father's Day, Mother's Day. They've got like a, a wall that they're yeah. like making into a social media moment. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. People like their pictures. Does anyone go to like get studio portraits done anymore? <laughs> like at Sears? Yeah. Well, Sears isn't here. Okay. So JCPenney? So no, is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> I guess not. Olin I, Mills? Yeah, Olin Mills. Where you go and like, remember that when they would have those where you'd like be looking off in the distance yes. and have another version of your face yes. looking like towards the camera? Well, the I, weird one was always when they like put a like pink crayon behind you. Oh, right. Or like, it's like they an inflatable give you a prop, crayon. A prop to crayon? like rest your crayon. chin on. Crayon. 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 crayon? <laughs> How do you say it? Crayon. crayon. Some people say crown. No one says What do you crown. say, Marin? Crayon. 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 I guess I'm the only weird one out. So <laughs> I say, no, what, how do I say it? Let me think about this pure. Crayon. So you're like a hybrid. You're a hybrid between yeah. my version and Barry's version. I guess. <laughs> this is great pod. <laughs> Everyone wants to know like this. Me and Car- in kindergarten holding the pink crayon. Uh-huh. Like a large one. Like an yeah. oversized, oversized one. It's a yeah. giant and then there's prop. The, the other one that's like blinds behind you but yeah. instead of like laser normal blinds? Light, did yeah, you ever like <laughs> la- pink lasers yes yeah. i had those in elementary school I feel what like were we to... thinking i don't know it was Ugh. the 80s barry what's new with you uh you know i talked last time about the house search yes we had, we had a, a house pop up that we were both very excited about like it was Great. it looked 
ideal. The pictures looked great, whatever. We got there and it was a not what we expected. The house itself Ugh. was like like two thirds of the size of what it looked like on the pictures. And I realized they yeah. were using an extraordinarily wide angle lens. Wide lens. Yeah. I mean, I know that's just the trick of the trade, yeah. but man, I mean, I've never seen it. Like we walked in and we're like this, like the, the, the main living room area in the photos, it looked like it would take you about like 60 seconds to walk across it. Yeah. Like you'd have to like, like it's huge. We get there and you could do it in about four steps. Yeah. But the other side, you're like, how did this happen? Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I, the thing that got me, got me excited is I've been wanting like a wood shop and I, w I would love to have like a greenhouse and all that. And what I saw in the background of these photos of this house was a huge garage again, large size yep. photos, big garage with a greenhouse attached. And I was like, that's awesome. Like, let's go check that out. Went over there and I finally found out why they didn't show any close up pictures of the garage. Oh no. It wasn't a greenhouse. It was this little like chain link fence area. It was like a cat warren. They had like 12 cats living in this Ugh. with like holes to go into the garage. And oh. the garage was like a hoarder's paradise that oh, smelled no, like cat no, urine. No. And then don't touch me. Yeah, <laughs> literally had to wash my hands Broken after leaving dreams. it. And the, yeah. And then we went back to this little mini barn Wait, that I saw were back in there. They like lived in, it was like a, but there weren't cats when you were there. Yeah. There were oh. like 15 cats there Ugh. everywhere. They're all just like <laughs> chilling in the sun. And then there's this little mini barn and next to a, a idyllic pond. And again, no close up photos. So oh my get goodness. There. Oh my goodness. And the pond is completely scum filled algae. Uh, yeah. And it's got this like runoff, like you can't even get to the barn without getting your feet wet with like nasty water. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah. So that was a pass. So you put an offer in. <laughs> yeah. No, no, we passed on that one, but we were very bummed because we went in yeah. super yep. excited. We, we, were like, we had similar experiences where a yeah. house looks so good in the pictures yeah. with like, they use some sort of lens that like yeah. fish eye makes everything fish eye look lens. bigger than it yeah. actually is. Yeah. Did you have anything like that in your house hunt? Uh, I missed the house hunt part of buying a house. So right. I don't know. You were informed that you were moving. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Every picture in the world for real estate has this lens where yeah. everything looks amazing and gigantic yeah. and yeah. Like panoramic. Yeah. The corners of the room are Rounded. half a mile away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, so now yeah. We're, we're learning. This is an experience everyone's had and yeah. now we are having it. So there it is still kind of just every time. Every time we see a, a new house pop up, we both get real excited and then immediately let down when we realize <laughs> why it's not going to work <laughs> oh, no. for one reason or another. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get mm. there. Take your time. Well, we're in week. What about you, Tyler? Oh, wait. We're just. All right. Yeah. We, I'll talk we, about me. Uh, <laughs> what's going on with me? How I want to know what's going house? on. Uh, the new house is good. There's still boxes everywhere. So I don't. I. Do you do okay with that? Are you okay uh, like living I'm, I'm, in chaos? I'm getting to my limits. Uh-huh. I think Lauren and I are just like bags of skin nerves or something. <laughs> bags of skin <laughs> covering nerves. Okay. Uh, gotcha. That's what we are. Is You're that just all... a cry for help? Do you need yeah, our help? Yeah, we could use a little help. So we Maybe... were like getting at each other a little bit. So we had to take a date night last weekend mm -hmm. to just wait. get back on the same page. But yeah, we're both living in boxes. We just painted the place. Mm -hmm. And so everything is like shoved in the middle of the room. Yeah. Have you had time to like. No. Right. So you moved in and the, I think it was the next day or two days later you had to lead worship. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like you. And then the next week was like all day <laughs> meetings, three days in a row. Yeah. 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 So I've seen my house about 11 minutes. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. It's good. I mean, I, I, we love it, but. 
what's your plan? Are you going to try to do like one room at a time and just like get one room completely squared away and then move to the next? Or are you just well, going to like slowly? Hopefully this weekend we can knock it out. Yeah. Because now we're done painting. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we can just crash through the organization and the yeah. unboxing. Although I don't know where my Xbox is at the moment. Mm, bad so that's nerves. been a problem Your too. Xbox? Yeah, nerves yeah. and skin. Didn't I give you something like that? Wasn't that, or is that a PlayStation? Yeah. I don't even know. <laughs> no, I don't know where it is. <laughs> well, if it's anything, like I, I was driving away after helping you move and got home, did some other stuff and I looked in the back of my car and there was some of your stuff. Yeah, like, I'm sure stuff. that's the case for other people as yeah. well. Well, if you have so, my Xbox, <laughs> yeah, please <laughs> deliver it to my house. I'm dying. Uh, I'm dying. So yeah, it's good. It actually like cuts off about 15 minutes of my trip to That's work awesome. and anywhere else up. I want to go. And we've, uh, yeah, we've set up a nice little area outside where we've spent some time out there. So it's good. We're just still settling in. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we can use the next few days over the holiday to get it done. You know? Yep. Yep. And Lowe's is about 11 seconds nice. away from our house. So plenty of house projects have already commenced <laughs> and we are on our way. Very good. Right on. Yeah. All right. Barry, you're here, not just because you're a friend and co-host of the pod, but mm. because you gave a great sermon in week number five. I think so. Yeah. I said so in my sermon, so I hope that's the case. Of our sermon series, Honest to God, where we're taking a deep look at the Psalms. And so this week we focused on Psalm 22, right? Yep. And uh, verses 11 through 21. And it's all about... Well, no, the whole thing. What? Oh. We did the whole psalm. Yeah, the whole psalm. But, all right. Broken into three pieces. <laughs> it was three chunks. Three big chunks. Okay. Well, I'm looking at 11 through 21 first. Okay. All okay. Right. We could start there. Uh, all right. <laughs> so, it's about, it's focusing on lament. Yeah. It is of the genre lament. So, what is lament and how do we not do it? That's my question. How do we not do yeah, it? I'm just kidding. Tyler. Oh, because you don't want to lament. <laughs> yeah, no. Nobody wants to lament, right? You love to lament more I than know, anyone I, I know. I have been looking forward to this episode for a while. <laughs> uh, all right. So what's the big idea? What did you want people to take away for yeah. anybody who may have missed it? Yeah. So lament is kind of a unique genre as far as I'm concerned in, in scripture. What it is, is it's, it's a type of prayer to God, which is kind of a protest prayer or a complaint uh, expressing displeasure or anger or confusion for God's perceived inaction in the midst of brokenness. So essentially you've got all these biblical writers and it's, again, it's, I said this in the message, it's all over scripture. There's a lot, especially the Hebrew scriptures, there's a lot of lament. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's just a normal mm -hmm. part of the Hebrew world um, where people are complaining, God, where are you? Or in this case, my God, you've, you've abandoned me. It's this, uh, it's this almost, well, it makes us uncomfortable because it seems a little bit almost sacrilegious uh, to complain to God. But I had one person after the service tell me that she grew up being told you're not allowed to be mad at God. You can't say these kinds of things to God. She was told that by her, her pastor. Mm. Um, so it's it's this kind of this protest. But what makes it so interesting, I, this is what I kind of tried to communicate in my sermon, is that at the same time that these Psalm writers are protesting against God and being frustrated with God and expressing their complaint and anger. They're also not walking away from him. In fact, they're doing the opposite. They're pushing into that relationship. Yeah. And it's, it's what makes biblical lament unique is that they are actually uh, pursuing the God that hasn't come through for them yet, which mm -hmm. is interesting. So my whole big idea was essentially 
when we are facing brokenness and pain and, uh, you know, hardship in our life, we have the ability to choose to pursue God and to have trust in him, even when we are facing doubts and pain and, and frustration. And it's, it's a, it's something that the Psalms can teach us to do to push into that relationship with God, even when we feel like he's not coming through for us. Yeah. So that's so pretty if, much it. So if that's true, why don't we, or why do we choose to ignore it? Why don't we do it? Why don't we enjoy talking about it? Or why don't we, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you started by saying, this is something that we don't do. We don't focus on it. Mm-hmm. So if we know that we still get to pursue God and there's a hope at the end of lament anyways, why don't we do it? It's a great question. I think I, I mentioned in my sermon, some cultural mm-hmm. factors. I think we generally in, you know, suburbia, we tend to have, a culture that's based around the avoidance of pain and suffering. And I I said, at some point, we don't want to dwell on our problems. We Mm -hmm. want our problems to go away. Mm -hmm. And this really seems like dwelling on our problems to go on and on about the bulls of Bashan or whatever. Bashan. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I think, I think part of it's got to be cultural. Just, we don't like to dwell on our pain, at least Mm -hmm. some of us, Um, but there's got to be more to it than that. Think of like when you're driving in your car, you got Caleb, right? Blasting. You want to be uplifted. If like a lament song comes on. Is there such a thing? Are you going to feel like lighthearted and all the, well, the warm what, feelings? Is that of, what we listen to Caleb for? I, I think it is. I think it's mostly uplifting music. Yeah. And that is a good thing. Everybody mm. wants to be uplifted. Everybody needs to be uplifted. But I just want to be outraged. Well, you probably listen <laughs> to is, talk radio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, that's I think it is very much a cultural thing that there is there is I hate to put it this way, there's a market for things that are uplifting and encouraging. Yeah. And maybe not so much a market for things that are sobering um and less rosy, less warm and fuzzy. Which is weird because we talk all the time about the brokenness of the world. Yeah. Everybody's experiencing some level of brokenness. So we all understand the reason to or a uh, reason for lament. Like there, is, brokenness is a signal that things are not the way God has intended them. So yeah. we can lament that. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that we all just don't want to do it and we just want to focus on encouraging things. I also think... Maybe we don't know how. Yeah. Like that woman who said that her, her pastor had outright told her, you can't say those things to God. I right. think that, I think she represents uh, a sizable demographic that there's a, a group of people within Western Christianity that don't know how, right. or even that they should. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Uh, there's probably a bunch of people who were at grace this past weekend who were like, I don't know. Can we, right. Can we be angry? Like what's the rule? Right. Mm-hmm. Are we allowed to basically say, how dare you <laughs> to mm-hmm. God? Well, uh, so you, you clearly think we are. Yeah. Uh, Psalms. Did David write this one? This one it's attributed to David. So he, I just assumed him yeah. as the writer. So he mm-hmm. clearly, he did. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think? What's the limit? I was fascinated by this last week. We read in Psalm 116. The Lord protects those of childlike faith. 
I was facing death and he saved me. Let my soul be at rest again for the Lord has been good to me. He has saved me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. New King James. (laughs) This week we read, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away? I call, but you do not answer. I find no relief. So for calling her New King James. Wow. I really do. Wait, is that a new one? Wow. No, No, I did both. She did both. Yeah. New King James. Oh. (laughs) Go ahead, new King James. <laughs> oh, great. Listen, y'all, I love my King James. I just do. Yeah. <laughs> new King James, that is. Yeah. Um, yeah, if we're calling our series Honest to God, what a juxtaposition last yeah. week to this week. Yeah. yeah. He, he saved guy. me. He kept me from tears. He kept my feet from stumbling to why have you abandoned me? I have, I have no relief. Right. So to me, a long time ago, maybe kind of early 20s-ish as a writer, Psalms gave me permission Mm. to not write songs that are neat and tidy and all resolved by the end. I think I, I, up to that point, I felt like maybe I had to write that way because God is good. God is good all the time. So even if I'm writing from an honest place about a struggle in my life, by the end of this song, I need to kind of turn it around and, yep. and bring some redemption to it or some sort of restoration to the struggle. And Psalms gave me permission to just leave it as it is, mm, yeah. to just be honest. So yeah. sometimes our prayers, sometimes our songs don't have to end with the Psalm 116 that he saved me from death, my eyes from tears and my feet from stumbling. Yeah. Sometimes they will. I know that they will, because he does mm-hmm. come through for his people. But sometimes we can just leave it mm-hmm. where yeah. he left it in Psalm 22. Yeah, there, there's a Old Testament scholar named Walter Brueggemann, Brueggemann, I'm not sure. And he has a way of dividing up the Psalms. Everybody has different ideas of what the different genres of the Psalms are. And he kind of steps away from that whole discussion and says, no, I think there are three main categories of Psalms. There are Psalms of orientation, which are all about, you know, just declaring God, you are good. The world is orderly. Things are great because you are great. Like all of that stuff. Yeah. Then there are Psalms of disorientation and that's the laments. That's the, the reality, the brokenness, all of that. And then Psalms of reorientation, which are coming, having come through the lament, mm. reorienting back to who God is now. And he mm. says that each one of those has a different purpose and serves a different function in the worship of the people. And it's, it's an acknowledgement. The fact that the Psalms were assembled the way that they were is an, is an acknowledgement that our lives are like that. Sometimes yeah. we are oriented. Everything is pointing in the right direction and we know who we are and what's going on. Sometimes we're disoriented and sometimes we are picking up the pieces and being reoriented. Mm. And I think what makes Psalms so cool is that there is, there are different Psalms that don't try to do all three of those. Yeah. Right. They just want to stay in one. That's mm. some of them are just going to be like, no, we're just going to be, disoriented right now because that's a reality of our life. Mm. Yeah. And since we're going to face that reality, how do you pray when you're, when that's what you feel? Mm-hmm. And I mean, you want to look at Psalm 88. I don't know if I mentioned this in all this, all the sermon, uh, all the different times I gave the sermon, but Psalm 88 is basically Psalm 22 without the part about praising. It's just as dark as mm. it can possibly get. And it's, it's usually referred to as one of the darker Psalms. Cause it's, it's just, it ends with, um, You've taken away my companions and loved ones. Darkness is my closest friend. <laughs> That's how it ends. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa. That to me was 
a total shift in my understanding of how I could approach God and how honest I could be with him. One time I wrote a song that didn't have like that tidy, neat, you know, praise God ending. And it was the first one I had written like that. And I remember it was my husband who was like, uh, so you're just done. (laughs) You just, uh, (laughs) just going to leave that one like that. And I'm like, yeah, this, this Mm. one is, Mm. I wouldn't say that's a large percentage of what I've written, but it was Psalms that gave me permission to be that honest. Um, I I just noticed this, the superscription for Psalm 22 says uh, to the tune sung to be sung to the tune doe of the dawn. And you're like, Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. Oh wait, is that the same one from the other Psalm? Was it? Same. Yeah, I think so. It might, yeah, it might be. We'll have to look at that. They just you have to, to look at two songs back then. Yeah. Well, because another. Go back well, the one, but the superscription to Psalm 88, I would love to hear this song. It says, a song to be sung to the tune, the suffering of affliction. <laughs> Jeez. Yes. That's an upbeat song. Hey, you said you wanted us to write one. I got you. The <laughs> suffering of affliction, That's, part one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you ever think, do you think uh, David meant for people to read this. I picture this as like his journal. I mean, I know that it wasn't really his journal, but I I wonder if he knew or he meant, do you know, Barry, if he meant for people to read this into the next thousands of years? <laughs> well, okay. Cause if I'm writing this every day, I'm like, Ooh, I hope nobody ever sees this. My, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I think, I think the answer is probably yes. Uh, but I also think that even if, David wrote all the ones that have been attributed to him or in, in his honor, however, whatever a Psalm of David means, if, if, even if he wrote all of them, I don't think he foresaw the, the level to which Psalm writing would become a part of the people of Israel Hmm. so much so that it became the, 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 uh, pillar that would hold up the people as they were in exile yeah so much so that they would compile these psalms into something that they would hand to their their children and grandchildren as a way of teaching them about the faith like yeah i don't think he necessarily saw that he, these may have been made for public consumption they may have been designed to be sung at festivals and to be sung for coronation all that stuff yeah but i don't think he necessarily understood that this was going to become taught thousands of hmm. years later as a way to to learn how to pray yeah you know who decided it should be sung to the tune of Doe of the Dawn? <laughs> That's a great question. So no, we don't know, but likely that, that would have either been, this is the tradition. We, we know that this song goes along with this tune. Yeah. And so they might've put those superscriptions in during the exile as a way of kind of telling people, by the way, this song goes with that tune. I love that. Did the uh, author of Doe of the Dawn get some royalties? I don't, <laughs> I don't I'm thinking of the hymn. Like, there's, yeah, there's, he there's looked a, beyond my fault and saw my need to be sung to the tune of "Oh, Danny Boy." <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, yeah, maybe "Doe of the Dawn" was not even like a religious song. Maybe it was just a popular hit. Some guy's yeah. just like, "Excuse me, I copyrighted that song." I cannot wait to find that out in heaven. Uh, so, but I'm always impressed week by week as we go through this, like mm. just the eloquence of his writing. Yeah. I mentioned last week I use I started journaling every yeah. day mm-hmm. in this app called Jor, J O U R, and uh, wouldn't it be Jur? Jur? Because we say journaling, so like bonjour, jour. Yeah, jour. jour, jour. Yeah, J O U R. But it's short for journal. Yeah, jour, S- journal, journal, jour. journal. Uh, <laughs> and so every morning it's like the first thing it does is it says, "How do you feel?" And you're supposed to just type out 
how you feel. <laughs> Everyone and, says tired. Yeah, every day I'm like, <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> if it, if David was using this, he's like, hey David, how do you feel? He'd be like, my strength is poured out yeah. like water. Yeah, yeah. my life my is being poured sticks out to the like roof water. of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man, I'm so jealous and envious of your writing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of the Psalms, just Hebrew poetry in general, is when you start to understand the layers of it and how like actually awesome it is. Yeah. I barely get it. And I'm blown away. These guys are geniuses. Like yeah, the, for the, sure. the way that mm. they craft these things, you know, like there's like a handful of Psalms that are acrostics where every verse or every couple of lines starts with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And it, it's just brilliant stuff. And then they weave these themes together. I don't even know if you notice some of the little aspects of this one. Uh, he mentions the bulls, of Bashan, lions opening their jaws against me, and um, dogs. What does he say? And uh, uh, something about dogs. Anyway, but then a little bit later, he says, spare my life from these dogs, snatch me from the lion's jaws and from the horns of these wild oxen. He just reverses Mm -hmm. the lines and the different imagery. And I don't Mm. know, it's just like little things like that, which just make you pause and think, whoa, interesting. It makes me think this really was a song. Right. Yeah. 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 Doesn't rhyme that great, but <laughs> it's fine. But again, I wish we—I wish I was fluent in Hebrew because there are rhymes, there's word plays in Hebrew all the time yeah. that are like super clever, but we we just don't mm-hmm. see them in English. Mm. So you said that you don't believe that the writers of these psalms, uh, specifically about lament, were looking at these hardships of the world as a case against God. You think that they saw it as an opportunity for hope. Or for God to come through. Right, right. Um, can you go a little more into detail about what, what you meant by that? Yeah, again, this gets to what I was saying about how they pursue God in the midst of their lament rather than walking away from him. It It is so interesting, and this is just a common thread. You'd have to read multiple laments, but if you look through several of them, what you see is that in the midst of their frustration of God, why aren't you acting? It's like the assumption is because we know who you are and you are a God who acts. Yeah. Right. It's so interesting because we would say, God, why aren't you acting? You must not be a good God. I'm out. Mm. Yeah. But they're saying, God, why aren't you acting? I know that you're the God who saves. Mm -hmm. I'm out. So it's almost like they're reminding him, God, this is who you are. You need to act like who you are. Yeah. Which is just so different. It's just a different way of of looking at it. Have you guys ever been to a like lament session? I don't know if that's the right term for it, but it's like a prayer gathering, oh, but yeah. it's only lament. Yeah. Mm. Yes. What was your experience? Um, they weren't the most fun gatherings. <laughs> yeah. I can say that. Um, yeah. Church that we were affiliated with back in Chicago. What did they call? Oh, they were called solemn assemblies. Yeah. We would go. I mean, and this, this did not happen very often at all. And maybe sometimes there was a catalyst, something that happened in our nation that needed prayer Mm -hmm. um, or just, you know, Hey, we, we should just all kind of corporately repent or, or, Mm. or lament either one. And so that's what they were called. Solemn, solemn assemblies. And it was a night where, um, the songs, if there were songs, would be more of repentant songs or um, songs of lament. Um, and they were powerful. Hmm. They were powerful. I've been to one uh, and I didn't know. I, I I mean, lament sounds very like churchy. Lamentations. Yeah. yeah. And so I didn't know what I was walking into when I walked into it. 
but it uh, at the end of it i was like sobbing along with everybody else every it's like guttural like Mm. cries out cries uh to god about uh, this particular one was about like racial Mm -hmm. tension and it was in south carolina south carolina north carolina yeah north carolina Mm. um about racial tension and the people there like it was just like pain Mm. in the air just like a visceral feeling of experiencing great, great pain. And I was blown away. And ever since that moment, I was like, this is something very important that Mm. the Christian life should like, we should feel like this is required because we all, we all feel a version of being angry for sure. Like there is something broken world. Yeah. There's there's something in our life that is not the way God intended. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we should, this should be like required participation that we all get to lament that together. When I was in Ukraine, I didn't, I've not yet been to like an official lament service, but this is more of a personal story. But when I was in Ukraine for one of my first few visits, there was a little girl who had muscular dystrophy and uh, she was just the sweetest, I mean, just the sweetest, but she couldn't communicate much. It was a degenerative disease. She was bound to her wheelchair. And, but for whatever reason, maybe cause I've got away with kids, I would just like make a funny face across the room and her face would just light up in the biggest mm. smile uh, ever. And just so sweet. And I couldn't, I didn't speak Ukrainian, I, you know, but we seem to have this, this beautiful connection. But then as I reflected later, I could not understand how God would allow a child to be born with a condition like that, mm. that she would die yeah. within a couple of years. I, I, that for me was one of the first moments that I, I didn't have a pat answer and I didn't have that reconstruction. I just, mm-hmm. I was just in that deacon, that, uh, that desolation moment of yeah. like, God, why, why? Yeah. And it, that was as far as it went for a while. And I yeah. just, it took me a while, but, but it, what all that to say, what it did was it, bega- it, it was a faith building exercise for me because it forced me to wrestle with that reality. I couldn't just live in that orientation mode where it's like, Oh, God is good. Everything is great. You know, whatever. I, I had to deal with the fact that this makes no sense. Mm -hmm. And, and it sure seems like God has abandoned her. Mm -hmm. So as time went on, I did enter, enter into a reconstruction mode, but it was realizing that, Mission to Ukraine was there loving her, giving her dignity in a place where she normally wouldn't and gave her a life that was insanely valuable and where she was loved and cherished Mm -hmm. for the last few years of her life. And I realized, okay, that does not resolve the, the problem of her being born with this condition. But what it does show me is where God is in the midst of it. And so that was my path forward, even though I didn't come to a, a good clean answer. But if I hadn't gone through that lament, if I had just tried to categorize it into like, Oh, everything's fine. What? Like I never would have gotten to the point of, of seeing God's presence in that awful situation. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Anyway, I, I agree. I think lament is something that is actually really important for us as we grow in our faith. Yeah. So what's the difference between lament and just like complaining? <laughs> That's a good question. Mm-hmm. A good, what do you think? Thank you. I think lament is 
to God. I could be wrong about that. I yeah. think complaining is me not taking it to God. This is Sorry. really hard, you guys. <laughs> probably complaining. Yeah, that's like textbook complaining right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's the that's the first thing that comes to my mind. I think that, but like, is something more. It's something more sacred. Okay, where complaining is just something more pedestrian, maybe. Yeah, yeah. If you look at the whole section, this middle section that I talked about, verse eleven through twenty-one. Uh, I mean. It's, it is a lot Well, you could say it's complaining. Oh, these people are surrounding me and all oh, these bad things are happening, but it's framed with don't stay far away from me because no one else can help me. Mm-hmm. And later on he says, you are my strength. So mm-hmm. it's like, it is a, it's complaint, but it's not, it's not just for the sake of complaining. It's for yeah. the sake of giving God an opportunity to save, to rescue. Yeah. So I agree. It's to God. It's not just for the sake of whining. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think we yeah, it's not like complain uh, in our prayers. Yeah, I ate too much cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not quite lament. That was that's not yeah. biblical this lament. weekend with biscuits. <laughs> yeah, too many biscuits. <laughs> um, Barry, you use used the word uh, reconstructing, mm-hmm. and I, I've had my own experience with like deconstructing my faith. Yeah, and there was a mo- there was during that period where I was just like angry. I remember like standing on a seashore, just like yelling at the top of my lungs, like how much I disliked. How, how old were you at that point? College? Five. So like oh, a, no, no, yeah, I was in college. Like uh-huh. a Lieutenant Dan moment? Yeah. Yeah. Shaking like, your fist? Yeah. It was, it was like midnight in some beach somewhere and I was just, I don't know, I don't even remember what it was, but I was angry mm-hmm. and I was like swearing off any belief. Mm. Uh, I was complaining probably. Um, but, and that, that triggered like a two or three year process of just like, what do I even believe yeah. mm-hmm. about God? But like you were saying, Barry, this, I didn't see it as an opportunity for God to come through, but there was never a point where I was like, I am not going to figure this out. Or right. like I kept trying to pursue mm-hmm. answers, not necessarily answers, but I kept trying to pursue contentment or peace or a resolution about what I even believed. And I think that's the important part about lament is that, and it's what you were saying is like, it's okay to be this way for a while. You're right. But the ultimate pursuit of any lament has to be hope. Right. It has to be right. Like whether it's racial reconciliation, you can't just stay in lament mode. You have to pursue reconciliation, whether it's reconciling your relationship with God, you like, can't just lament you have to either you have to go one way or another right so i i love that you were saying like um it's an opportunity for hope and an Mm -hmm. opportunity for god to actually do something and that was what i i talked about the difference between well trust and yes that was one of my favorite so i just to recap i was basically saying trust is not the absence of doubt it's what we choose to do in the midst of our doubt Mm -hmm. yeah i used fear and courage as an example like being courageous doesn't mean you don't have any fear. It just means that you're willing to overcome your fear. It's the same thing. It's like, yeah. So I think what you're saying, Tyler, is it's, it's not just about complaining and being upset. It's about having trust that you're going to, in the midst of your complaining, you're still going to push forward and try to, yeah, you didn't walk away from God. You just went looking for him in new ways. Yeah. Yeah. A choice to trust. Um, 
What kind of self-awareness or maturity is required in order to choose to worship God in the midst of suffering? This isn't for everybody. Like, are we expecting people who just got introduced to Jesus last week to be like, hey, here's all you need to know about lament. Whenever bad things happen to you, like, just make the choice. Or is it something that we have to build up to? It's an interesting question. I think... I think lament can be really powerful and just like TNT, if it's not handled properly, it could be dangerous, Yeah, but it could also be useful. I, I think, I don't know. I mean, I think this is obviously it's in scripture. There's an invitation for us to, to have the spirit speak through it and work with, work with our own situation. I don't mm-hmm. think the Psalms would have been handed down with quite so many laments if we weren't allowed to try them out, you know, from time <laughs> yeah. to time. Um, I'm a worm. I'm a worm. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I think it does take a bit of maturity, a, a level of maturity to be able to stay in the room with God, with a God that you're so angry with. Yeah. So I, yeah, yeah. But I don't, I don't know that I would say it's a, it should be limited to some, I, you know, hmm. and, and honestly for someone who's new in their faith, if they're experiencing terrible hardship, this might be the way mm-hmm. uh, learning how to lament in a biblical way may actually be a way of deepening their faith and strengthening it because it's not just about avoiding your pain and, or wondering what's wrong with me. It's like, no, it's okay. It's pushing into that relationship with God. So I don't know. Yeah. I would think that if, if you just gave your heart to Jesus last week, I would think that this would be an encouraging sermon because it's so real. Yeah. You even said the name Israel means wrestles Wrestles with with God. God. Yeah. And I think it's, so refreshing to be told that you can have doubts and you can wrestle and you can even be mad at God, Mm -hmm. but it's all in taking it to him. Take every emotion and every fear and every doubt to him. Um, I'd be encouraged by that. And I would also encourage you to, if you, if you're in a season of lamenting to not lament alone, if there's anybody else, around you, um, rooted groups or family member or friend, or even if you don't know anyone, just reach out to someone at Grace Church and say, hey, would you lament with me? Mm. Um, Ironically, I got a card in the mail um, when I got home from Tennessee on, when did I get home? Sunday night, Sunday night, I got home. This card is waiting for me on my kitchen table from a dear friend at the North Indy campus. And she knows you know, everything that has transpired over the last year with my mom. She knows about just all the ups and downs of my life and my current life, adjusting to a new role and all this stuff. And so in this card, she says, today I read these words in a commentary about Jeremiah 20, where Jeremiah is imprisoned and lamenting that God broke his promise to protect him. But Jeremiah misunderstood God's promise. This is what the commentary says which was not that he should have nothing to suffer, but that God would deliver him out of his sufferings. And she said, you have a lot to suffer right now. And I want to sit and lament with you. These are really difficult things. Mm. That meant the world to me. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, and on the day that you speak on Lamentations, who gets a card like that? First of all, who gets a card in the mail anymore? I got an (laughs) actual letter from an actual friend and it was that gesture of you're going through some hard stuff. I just want to sit and lament with you. Wow. That meant the world to me. Mm. So yeah, mm. don't go through it alone. And 
that the cool part is not that she's going through it and she's asking you to do it with her. It's that she recognizes that in you. Yeah. And she says, I want to come into that place mm-hmm. with and for you. Yep. That's the, that's cool. Yep. Real cool. Um, one, one more strange question. Um, there seemed to be a lot of nods to what Jesus said on the cross and yeah. why have you forsaken me? I had a question about how much of this is poetry and how much of this is prophecy and do the two coexist? Mm-hmm. And was Jesus quoting that because it was a well-known Psalm? He was in a place of mm-hmm. lamenting himself. So mm-hmm. he quoted his favorite Psalm. His like favorite lament. Yeah. Right. Right. What do you, what do you think of all that? Uh, yeah. Or was great. his favorite song? Doe of the dawn. Doe of the dawn. <laughs> I, that's a great question. And it's, it's funny because every other time I've ever heard this Psalm mentioned almost ever in a sermon, it's always in reference to Jesus, mm-hmm. but I didn't mention that till the very end mm-hmm. on purpose. But, um, I think, I think the spirit was breathing through David when this Psalm was written and it has echoes straight into Jesus's suffering. But I also think when Jesus was on the cross, I think this Psalm, I mean, he, he would have been like, like most young, you know, Jewish boys at the time, he would have had a very conversant memorization knowledge of a vast amount of the Hebrew scriptures. And so it's likely, I mean, he was a man well acquainted with grief and sorrow. Mm-hmm. I think understanding the heart of, of God for this world and seeing the brokenness of the world. I think, I think this would have been a Psalm he probably went to on a regular basis. Um, so except for the part about dividing garments and throwing oh, dice yes. for the clothing. There's also that. And the, uh, pierced my hands and feet, which did you see the app notes about that? Yes. Yes. Remind me though. Remind the listener. No, because well, I had I had the app open in front right, of me while I was right. watching. When you read when you read verse sixteen and seventeen and eighteen, it sure seems like it's re- describing the cross because mm-hmm. it says they've pierced my hands and feet. Uh, I can count all my bones. That they divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. So it, yeah, the the that well, doesn't matter. The pierced in my hands and feet. There's a huge interpretive issue there. Yes, that's what it was. Which likely yes. likely the version that Matthew understood of this psalm did not have that it had something else so it gets all kind of complicated and stuff like that but it's yeah it's it's this could have been a prophecy that that david was tapping into something the spirit was was setting in stone it's also possible that these are just things that happened to suffering people and jesus Mm. fulfilled them through the through a bigger picture of like he was the suffering servant mm. again with Isaiah fifty three mm-hmm. and all of that like that's another example of something which I think had had a meaning to the people who wrote it but it ended up kind of resonating and being reflected in Jesus in ways that nobody saw coming yeah. that's kind of how I how I look at that but I don't know what do you think I mean do, do you tend to see it I kind of see it as a both and I guess mm-hmm. um, as we continually describe the Psalms as. Um, Jewish meditation literature, which yeah. it very much is, poetry, which it very much is. Yeah. But I think that, like you said, inspired by the Spirit of God. Yeah. And the Spirit of God could do all kinds of Absolutely. things. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think it's Here's, very yeah. prophetic in nature. Here's another another fun one down in verse 29. It says, let the rich of the earth, earth feast and worship. But it's also possible that that um, is not about the rich, but those who are dead or something. It's like, I know. And then bow before him, all fun. who are mortal, all whose lives will end as dust. It, it is almost the idea. If, if that's fun, if that's what it is, it, it's basically painting the picture of even those who are dead worshiping 
God, which is weird and not found a lot in Hebrew scriptures. But if it's the case, and then it gets connected back to this stuff about Jesus, uh-huh. all of a sudden we're getting this uh, one commentary put it as a spirit filled prefiguring of the resurrection. <laughs> so who knows? But <laughs> I know it's like it's yeah. just kind of it, it's. It's just kind of interesting. If that's the case, then we've got even here in Psalm 22, this little drop that the spirit placed long before Christ to to hint that all people, including those who have passed, Mm -hmm. will one day worship. It's I don't know. It's profound. So profound. I don't even know what you said. (laughs) Sorry. Go back and listen to that later. Uh, So do you guys think last question, do you guys think there's a limit? Like, are there any, is there anything off limits of what we can say to God? It's a great question. Cause I, again, me cursing at the ocean, mm-hmm. there were some things I said and I was, it was probably 15 years ago. Right. And there, today I'm like, Ooh, I wonder if he's like still mad at me for saying that. I would say there's one thing that defines the protests of lament in scripture. And it's that these are protests because of, because God's, actions don't seem to reflect or God's inaction does not reflect his character. They they're saying, "Look God, you are a God who saves. <laughs> yeah. You are good, so why aren't you coming through for me?" What they are not doing is telling God that he is not good, telling God that he's not faithful. Mm. They're not saying that he is That's evil good. or wrong. And so I think we cross a line mm. when we when our laments become accusations that mischaracterize God's character. Yes. Mm. So, which was not what I, which is probably what I was doing when, when you were, beach. well, yeah, <laughs> hmm. but I don't know. I, I'm just, that's me. I like that because that, that makes me hungry for more. That yeah. makes me want to go read Job yeah. when God stepped in and said, where were you when yeah. I hung the stars? Right. What, what provoked that kind of response right. from God? Yeah. You know, he didn't swoop down and say, yeah, buddy, you sure have had it rough. Yeah. Sorry about that. Right. Right. Because he's still God. Yeah. He's still sovereign. So that I like when sermons leave me in a place that I need to keep digging. Yeah. And that is an excellent question, Tyler. And that is something that I would want to, I'd want to dig in Mm. and look at, look at God's response to different types of laments. When's he get mad at you for going at him? Because where were you when I hung the stars is like a mic drop moment. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I, w- I wasn't. You're, you're not complaining to yeah. me right now, Job. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. That's, I don't know <laughs> but, what else. But he didn't smite Job. Right. Like he wasn't angry enough to just like cause the ground to open up and swallow him whole. He yeah, did, he did him that another place. time yeah. in, a, in a different time and place. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just set things right. Yeah. Like put him in his place. He spared his life. He spared yeah. Job's life yeah. ultimately. Hmm. Yeah. There's a, I mean, there is a kind of a one biblical thread of people misrepresenting Yahweh as a pretty big no, no, like don't, mm. don't say <laughs> that he is who he isn't and don't yeah. claim. I mean, even the, the commandment, I think I mentioned this before the commandment, don't take the Lord's name in vain. That's what that's actually about. It's about misrepresenting the character of Yahweh mm. in the world. It's not about swearing. So we can say curse words now? You can say, no, I don't know. <laughs> Family friendly? Come on. Oh my goodness. I won't. So, right, fine. yeah. Um, but it, so it's, there's something, there's something in that where it's like, don't misrepresent the character of Yahweh, but you can ask him all day long why he isn't acting 
like who he is. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Hmm. Where do we go next? What's happening? We're going to be a little more upbeat. <laughs> thankfully, this next week is going to be all about. Yay! It's all going to be about gratitude for God's goodness. Mm-hmm. And it's Psalm 146, I think. So if you want to get a little head start and read that before we head into the weekend, it'll be dad speaking. And cool. uh, yeah, it should be pretty good. He's going to do some audience participation because we are starting Oh. Worship together weekends. Yeah. So Gaffers yep. are excited about that. <laughs> we are the Gaffers. And we, yeah, we worship, worship together. together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So he's going to be, if you, if you are an artsy person at 146th street, you might get a chance to participate. So cool. Hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm struck by again, the juxtaposition of this last week with the gratitude that's coming this next week. Mm. I know here at the 146 campus and also at the Fishers campus, um, and I'm not sure if they did this in North India or not, but they took time to pray for people who have been struggling with serious illnesses. Mm. Um, I know at the Fishers campus alone, there were three Mm. um, recently diagnosed with cancer. Just, you know, just really earth shaking diagnoses that have just rocked their world. Um, and so this was such a timely message. Where is God when he feels distant in my pain? It was such a timely message for so many of our people, for me, um, with, you know, my mom and and all that stuff. But I wanted to point out that last week's scripture, Psalm 116, this week's scripture of lament, Psalm 22, both of them possessed this phrase, Psalm 116, put it this way. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Last week was, what was it? Um, when I want to thank God, when I want to be, when I want to thank God for his faithfulness, it was mm-hmm. all about being Grat- grateful. grateful, I believe. And then this week it said in this Psalm 22, I will praise you in the great assembly. I will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. Mm-hmm. And next week we'll be talking about <laughs> what, what did you just say? Gratitude. It's, it's yeah. Goodness. I, I, the goodness, goodness of, God, of God. That's what it is. The goodness of God. It's really, it's the whole thing is about, it's one of those Psalms of orientation. It's yeah. all about his character. And your dad had talked about the framework being mm-hmm. gratitude, yeah. having that be your, what did he call it? Your, he didn't scaffolding. say for, scaffolding, scaffolding. Yeah. So I just feel like there are, this is for now, for this season of our church, no matter what you're going through, you might be in a place of gratefulness or you might be in the worst place you've ever found yourself mm. in. But I feel like you are being girded and surrounded week after week after week with a common theme that the joy of the Lord is your strength, no matter what you're going through. Mm. Um, so I just, that's I, awesome. I love when there's a common thread week after week, no matter what we're talking about. And it yeah. kind of keeps coming back to choosing to praise and to uh, finding our strength in his joy. Marin will be preaching in two weeks. <laughs> nah. Y'all, I got to go practice piano. Shoot. Yeah. All right. Well, scared. on that note. I'm scared, y'all. Will you please? <laughs> There's probably a psalm for that. <laughs> Just when play the dough of the dawn and you'll be fine. <laughs> will you please send us out? Yes, I will. Do justly love mercy and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. 